So I was, uh, I was planning a direction for this homily this week, and then this morning I was praying, and um, as I was reading through these readings, there was just something from the second reading. So I mentioned this last week, Hebrews chapters 11 and 12 are among my favorites uh, in the whole Bible, um, but I also love, um, I've, I've sort of recognized this, I love all of the chapter 12s in the New Testament. So there's not a lot of chapter 12s, because St. Paul's letters aren't often that long, but there are a few. So Romans chapter 12, I love that one. We'll maybe talk about that another time. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. Uh, could list them all, but uh, Luke chapter 12. So this, this verse, 1249, uh, is, is also, it's just, it's, it's, it's like Jesus, right? Like, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. Just to, to consider this, you know, this, and maybe we'll come back to this, this image in a minute, but just to consider, you know, when, when we, so we have, we as Catholic Christians, we love art, you know, and we, we, we love images of Jesus. And among the images of Jesus that we have, one of them is the sacred heart of Jesus. We've got this statue here, the sacred heart of Jesus. You could go home and Google search the sacred heart of Jesus. I'm going to give you uh, or offer you a card at the end of mass. That's got an image of the sacred heart of Jesus on it. And, and what is, what is always in these images of the sacred heart? Sometimes they can look differently. Sometimes the heart can be like on Jesus. Sometimes it's just the heart itself. But, but there's a, cons- like a number of consistent things. And one of those consistent things is this, this blazing flame coming from the heart of Jesus. And, and that, I think, comes from this verse. I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing, right? When you think of Jesus, what do you think of? I think, I think many of us, we, we think of kind, gentle, loving, patient Jesus. And, and that's true. He, he's all those things. But, but I think we gotta, we got to expand our vision and understanding of, of who Jesus is. Jesus, his love is a blazing fire. So when you think of Jesus and when you try to picture what his eyes looked like, you've got to see eyes that are focused and determined, that, that have a, a kind of fiery look to them an intense, passionate love to them. That Jesus came for a purpose, and that purpose is to set us on fire with his same love. And that love is not a wimpy, passive kind of love, but it is an active love that that seeks to go to war against an enemy. That's who Jesus is. And yes, within that, there is a kindness to him. Within that, there's a gentleness and a patience to him. Absolutely. But first and foremost, Jesus comes to fight for you with a love that is blazing and hot. We got to think of Jesus when we think of that, right? So what caught my, so thinking of all that, taking that into context, what caught my attention this morning was this second reading from Hebrews chapter 12, where the author, right, he says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which gets back to chapter 11, so go home and read chapter 11 and read about all the holy men and women from the Old Testament, the Old Covenants, who did amazing, miraculous things because of their faith in God, right? So because of them, since we're surrounded by them, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. Right? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the eternal Son of God. That is to say that he has always existed before time. 
Jesus existed. Before everything, Jesus has always existed and he has been without limits. He has been all powerful. He is the all powerful God, right? So we're keeping our eyes fixed on him. But then what does the author say? This is is where it gets just so incredible. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners. Consider how he endured such opposition. I was thinking about this, you know, like, so there, there's maybe an, maybe an image that can help us, but it, it's, it doesn't even come close to touching what it really is. But, you know, there, there's this show, Undercover Boss. You know, so the, this, this boss, the CEO or this manager, owner of a business will, will pretend to be an employee and he'll dress up and he won't look like himself. And, you know, he'll just like sort of see what's the culture of the place, how am I treated, these kinds of things, this undercover boss, right? Jesus, Jesus is kind of like that, except he's not, he's not just, a, he's undercover God, right? Like he takes on a human body and when he takes on a human body, he comes to be with his people, his creatures, right? We who are so weak compared to him, we who are so imperfect compared to him, and he comes down to us, right? It's just another image I heard one time would be like, imagine you becoming like a worm, right? You look down at the worms and see how pathetic they are, and you decide, I'm gonna become one of them. This is like what it is. For God, who is so far beyond us to come down and take on our human nature, to take on a body, right? He comes down to us. And and how how is he treated when he comes down to us? This This is God, right? God himself comes down to us. How is he treated? He's mocked. He's tested all the time. People are constantly observing him, seeing how they can get him into a trap. They're ignoring him. They're rejecting him. They're indifferent toward him. Eventually, they arrest him. They spit upon him. They mock him and scourge him. When he's on the cross, there's a, there's a couple of times in the Gospels where it says they wagged their heads at him, right? This is sort of just like arrogant approach to Jesus, who is God. Consider this, right? Like, what does the word consider? It mean to think carefully about it, to examine it. Right? How many times when we, when we hear about Jesus, how many times do we really like, take time to consider the mystery of who he is? Just like to let yourself be caught up in, this is God who's being mocked and spit upon and scourged and crucified and laughed at. This is God who's being stabbed in the side. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners. What? Why? Why is he doing this, right? Like, in our considerations, we look at this and we just sort of, like, you got to let yourself wonder, like, what the heck is he doing? He's God. If you were God, if I was God, we wouldn't think about this. We wouldn't consider this kind of thing. We would, we would just sort of step on it like an ant, right, and start over and say, well, that one failed. I'll, I'll do something else. I'll create a people that will actually worship me and, and honor me and hold me in reverence. But, but instead, what does he do? He comes down because of this burning love. And he comes down to do what? Why does he endure such opposition? In order that you 
may not grow weary and lose heart. Do you hear this, brothers and sisters? Why does Jesus go through that and all that leads up to that is for you? Because he knows that for you to believe in him and to follow his ways, he knows that it's hard. And he knows that there are so many people in the world who don't believe it, who don't buy it, who don't want anything to do with it. He knows that it's something that can really weigh down heavy upon us because we look around and we see our family and our friends, our children, our parents, our siblings. We look around and we see friends, coworkers, strangers, not following the ways of Jesus and walking toward a destiny that is leading toward eternal punishment. And that can be so hard. He sees that. And what's more, he sees that sometimes even within ourselves, we can be wrestling with like, am I sure that this is real? Am I sure that, that I really, like that Jesus really is God, right? He sees all of that. And he sees the temptations we have to turn back away from him rather than toward him. In fact, this is what was going on with the Hebrews. It was a community of Christians, Jewish converts who con converted to Christianity. And, and in converting to Christianity, they found that their family and friends who did not convert were treating them poorly, who were mocking them, who were uh, like disinheriting them. And so they're tempted because of the ease of just going back to be with their family. They're being tempted to turn away from Jesus and to turn back toward their family and friends, to turn back toward worldly things. And so what does the author say? He says, consider Jesus and the burning love from his heart. Consider that and how he has all of that. He does all of these things for you so that you won't turn away from him, but instead you can keep your eyes fixed on him. Fixed on him. Why? Because when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you share in his vision. When you share in his vision, there is no division within you. Even if there's division in your family, even if there's division in the world, even if there's division even among your church community, when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, there will be no division within you. And when there is no division within you, you share the vision of Jesus, you can do anything. You can persevere in running the race that is set before you because, as we've been talking about for the last two weeks, when you run the race and you cross the threshold from this life into the next, you will emerge victorious forever, for all of eternity, for 50 million years and then some. You will emerge victorious, and that victory will be the kind of victory that cannot be matched by anything that this world has to offer. This is, this is the burning love of Jesus that he wants so badly for you and for me to share in this victory with him, that he comes and he endures such opposition from sinners. So that as you consider him, and all that he's done for you, you may not grow weary or lose heart, but instead you can keep your eyes fixed on him and be prepared to let go of anything that's going to tempt you from turning away from him. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the big encouragement, right? Is to keep your eyes locked on him 
Don't let anything take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let anything take your eyes off of his burning love, that burning love which will lead you to eternal joys that cannot be matched by anything in this world. Whenever you're tempted by division in your heart, whenever you're tempted by the division in your family and your friends, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and simply ask him, Lord, come to my aid. I am so desperate for you and I need you. Jesus, my eyes are prone to wandering from this thing to that thing. Jesus, take my eyes and fix them upon you. Lock eyes with me so that I can see the fire in your eyes, so that I can see the fire in your heart and that fire can be caught in my heart and in my eyes. 